From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, wherefore art thou astigmatism? Well, keratometry is measuring the right part of, uh, of the cornea, but in the wrong way. First this. As seen from here reaches ophthalmologists in 98 countries, transfers more than half a terabit of podcasts every month. But the potential audience is much larger. Please tell your colleagues about this free resource, Flattening the Ophthalmic World. And while you're at it, let your residents and fellows know about Open Ophthalmology, a free basic science video podcast, already a force in ophthalmic education with 1,800 viewers watching 6,000 video lectures every month. Information wants to be free. Help me give it away. Okay, fill in the word. If astigmatism is in corneal, it must be lenticular, right? In the old days, if a patient's manifest astigmatism differed from his keratometry, we used to say that the astigmatism was lenticular. Maybe it was. But maybe may not be good enough in the age of toric intraocular lenses. See, if the astigmatism is lenticular, then cataract surgery will correct it, as long as the IOL doesn't wind up tilted. But the failure of keratometry to correspond to refractive astigmatism isn't always lenticular. Other possibilities exist. Other possibilities described by Miguel Teas, my guest today. Given that keratometry measures the paracentral anterior cornea and refraction, and in fact vision, relies chiefly upon the central cornea and other optical elements, what is the relationship between keratometric astigmatism and refractive astigmatism? Well, it's a very good question. Uh, In fact, uh, keratometry does not measure the uh, refraction. Uh, Keratometry, what measures is the the optical power, the diopters, the the optical power uh, of the cornea at a at a very uh, 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 particular point. Uh, You know, so uh, it does not measure the power of the cornea in the center in a in a uh, in a given area, but in points. So uh, keratometry is a very useful tool for uh, to evaluate the, uh, the astigmatism of the cornea, but it's far from perfect. If you if you want to uh, to uh, to get the real refractive uh, astigmatism, uh, astigmatism of the eye. Now, one of the people who attempted to do this was Javal. Can I have you just describe briefly the Javal formula for moving from keratometry to sort of its refractive impact? Well, uh, Javal realized, as many others, that uh, keratometry uh, was not enough to predict the, refract- the refractive astigmatism. Javal uh, uh, realized that only knowing the keratometry power of the cornea, uh, you, ha- you have to uh, uh, to, um, to, uh, to add a certain, uh, some uh, value, some diopters. In fact, uh, he said that uh, by uh, changing the keratology p- uh, power by uh, 0.5 diopters, you could uh, get a more uh, realistic uh, value of the refractive astigmatism. So he realized that keratometry was not 
really the, the, um, the astigmatism of the eye. As you mentioned, in Javal's formula for conversion from keratometry to refractive astigmatism, he included an extra constant of 0.5 diopters against the rule. Now, where, where does that come from? Well, uh, it was the best way to get uh, an approximately uh, real value of the refractive astigmatism. It, it was just a Kabbalistic n- uh, number, uh, you know. The, uh, he, he called it the internal astigmatism. So, so it was a, a number that came from uh, the, 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 um, the reality, you know. They, the, uh, they realized that they had, they had to change that, uh, the gravitometry to get uh, an approximately uh, an, uh, astigmatism. Uh, error. So uh, <clears throat> they estimated that uh, in general, with 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 that uh, half diopter, uh, the refractive astigmatism could be uh, estimated better. Uh, so they realized that cryotometry uh, was not enough to to get the value of the refractive astigmatism. They just estimated that that number. So that's interesting. It was really just an empirical. Absolutely, a capitalistical number. Um, Now, one of the the mathematical models that you describe to to describe the astigmatism is one that involves vectors. Uh, Can I get you to describe uh, how a combination of two cross cylinders of various magnitudes but a fixed orientation can produce a total cylinder of any power and any orientation? Well, the point is that um, when you want to uh, uh, to perform a statistical analysis of astigmatism values, you know, before and after surgery, before and after refractive surgery or, or, or cataract surgery or, or, or whatever procedure, uh, you cannot use the refractive uh, formula, the, the refractive notation. Uh, so, you, so you got to change that notation to a vector analysis. And uh, the, this particular analysis, this particular system described by Tibos, um, they uh, describe that a, uh, using a Cartesian model with uh, a, a three-dimensional uh, uh, representation of the uh, astigmatism, you, uh, you could, um, you could uh, get a figure that uh, can be used uh, that can be analyzed in, uh, using a statistical analysis. So uh, you cannot uh, analyze the changes of astigmatism uh, with, uh, with any surgical procedure without using a vector analysis. And, well, we decided to use the, t- the tables analysis, which is, uh, I think, quite, quite useful. So basically, it's a, it's a question of... Um, um, uh, you know, um, instead of uh, the uh, refractive notation uh, to to decompose to deconstruct this notation in in vectors, so uh, in this way you can uh, you can add, you can subtract, you can uh, multiply, you can whatever uh, statistical analysis you want to perform. Uh, you have to do this uh, this type of analysis. So with this vector method, basically, we've got two cross cylinders. One of them is oriented at uh, 180 and 90. One of them is oriented at 45 and 135. And by applying uh, different, uh, I guess, positive or 
uh, negative magnitudes to these two cross cylinders, adding them, uh, we can generate any cylinder of any power with any any orientation. That's um, correct. So we're going to be talking about your very interesting study dealing with the astigmatism after cataract surgery. But let, let me let me ask you uh, something. Miguel, why is it that the residual astigmatism after I implant a toric intraocular lens is not always what I predict before surgery? Well, uh, it may be because uh, uh, several factors. Uh, one, the IOL may rotate, so the correction of the, of the toric IOL may, may be not perfect. Second, uh, the calculation of the power of the uh, toric uh, IOL of the cylinder in the IOL uh, uh, is based uh, only in the keratometry, in the pre-op keratometry, and then uh, in, an, in an estimation of what the post-operative uh, keratometric uh, value of the cornea is, is going to be. And this, and this is uh, far from perfect. So uh, basically, uh, you are correcting uh, if, uh, uh, let's imagine uh, you're trying to correct a, uh, with using eczema laser the, uh, a patient with astigmatism. You're not going to correct the keratometric astigmatism. You're going to correct, you want to correct the refractive astigmatism. And that is what we, nowadays, we, we cannot do with the, with the current uh, formulas to calculate the power of the intraocular lenses. So, so these formulas, in my mind, has have to improve because only knowing the gratometric power of the of the astigmatism uh, is not enough to get the uh, the refractive cylinders to be corrected. Miguel, can I get you to describe the design of this study? Yeah, well, this was a, a, a very simple study. This was a prospective uh, study, single surgeon, um, single mask because the, uh, the optometrician uh, performing all the uh, refraction and the, and the, uh, the measurements of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the astigmatism was not aware of the, uh, of the study. Uh, 121 eyes were analyzed. Uh, all, uh, uh, and they have to be uh, eyes with uh, normal visual acuity without any other uh, uh, ocular pathology. Um, and uh, well, uh, we try to uh, to analyze the uh, correlation between uh, keratometric and refractive astigmatism in a pseudophagic eye with IOLs in the back with the uh, Alcon MA60 uh, lens, which is a three-piece IOL. With uh, I think it's um, a very uh, nice IOL in terms of uh, stability. So 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 virtually no tilt is going to be uh, expected. Uh, and that's it. And what were the results? What were your findings, Miguel? Well, our findings really were, were not surprising. In the literature, there are many papers suggesting that uh, you cannot uh, get uh, the uh, exact uh, value of the refractive astigmatism only knowing the keratometric, the keratometric astigmatism. But uh, uh, this issue ha uh, had not been studied in pseudophagic uh, eyes, and we did so. Um, so basically, uh, the results are you uh, cannot be accurate predicting the refractive astigmatism in pseudophagic eyes 
only knowing the gradiometric astigmatism. That means um, the so-called uh, lenticular astigmatism, which uh, uh, was believed to be the main source of uh, non-gradiometric astigmatism in the human eye, um, is uh, eliminated because uh, the cataract was uh, is uh, removed. Uh, but uh, in spite of this, um, you cannot be uh, very accurate predicting the, the refractive astigmatism. Just to be clear, how much of the post-operative refractive astigmatism was attributable to the keratometric astigmatism? Well, uh, first of all, uh, our study was performed in uh, non-selective cataract patients. In, in, the, in the normal population of cataract patients, the astigmatism is the uh, refractive astigmatism and the graphometric astigmatism is not very high. So, with low levels of ocular astigmatism, the um, the astigmatism, uh, the uh, so-called internal or non-cratometric astigmatism, is about, let's say, you can predict with the cratometry about 30 percent. 30, 30 something percent of the refractive astigmatism. Probably this figure will go up if you select patients with higher levels of, ast of astigmatism. But uh, after all, you will end up with about half diopters plus, plus less uh, uh, the standard deviation about uh, also uh, 0.5 diopters of astigmatism of unknown origin, let's say, non-cratometric origin. In your study population, which was not one that was chosen to have a, a high cylinder, uh, only about one-third of the refractive astigmatism was predictable, was attributable to keratometric cylinder. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct, and that's approximately the same figure that is that has been published in, 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 the normal, in the normal population with low degrees of astigmatism. So basically, the refractive astigmatism in pseudophagic eyes is approximately the relationship between refractive and chromatic astigmatism is basically the same than in phakic uh, uh, eyes. So, 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 you, so there is uh, some internal astigmatism or better than that non-keratometric astigmatism, uh, uh, which is about uh, half diopter, approximately. As you say, one possibility is, is that there are internal optical elements, uh, like the, the, the posterior cornea, the intraocular lens, that may account for the discrepancy uh, in, in cylinder. But may it not also be that the keratometer is just simply measuring the wrong part of the cornea? Well, keratometry is measuring the right part of, uh, of the cornea, but in the wrong way. Uh, you know, uh, uh, in refractive surgery, we know that uh, we see uh, using uh, a, a certain area of the cornea, not just uh, a certain points. And it's quite difficult to, 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 to know uh, uh, the power of the area of the cornea we are using. So it may, uh, that's why I prefer to use uh, the term non-keratometric astigmatism, because it might well be that uh, uh, if, if we measure the real power of the central cornea, uh, we will improve the prediction of the uh, refractive astigmatism. 
but it also may be that other components uh, of uh, of the astigmatism, such as the posterior cornea or lenticular or retinal astigmatism, may play a role. So, so, so basically, we have to improve the formulas to calculate the uh, the, the the cylinder needed in in the interval lens to uh, to obtain a good result, uh, a good refractive result. Uh, in fact, if we, if you if we take into account that uh, when we operate a patient with astigmatism and we implant an, uh, a premium IOL, a premium toric IOL, um, it's it's uh, far from ideal to to have uh, as as has been published uh, about one third of the patients with 0.75 diopters or more of uh, post-operative uh, refractive astigmatism. So, so we have to improve that. Just to restate what you just said, that amongst the um, other elements that can be considered uh, non-keratometric sources uh-huh. of cylinder, that in, in addition to things uh, like the lens, like the posterior cornea, there's also the anterior central cornea, which is not directly measured uh, by the, the keratometer since it's measuring things paracentrally. Um, how important was intraocular lens tilt in your data, since this also could be potentially a source of uh, non-keratometric astigmatism? Absolutely, absolutely. We think that um, IOL tilt is probably uh, uh, a point, but uh, uh, using a uh, 3P IOL, such as the, uh, the Alcon Acrosoft, the, M- the MS60, uh, with in-the-back uh, implantation, uh, with both haptics in the back, uh, checked post-op. Uh, so we think that that factor uh, probably is not playing a major role. But anyway, we don't know uh, which factors uh, play, uh, uh, what, what, what is the, the role that other factors, other non keratometric factors are playing uh, in, the, uh, in the determination of the stabilization. So, so we think that in our study, using the lens we used, uh, uh, checking that both haptics were in the back, we think that tilting of the lens is, it is not probably a, a, a confounding factor. That lens tilt's uh, probably not a big factor here. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the power of an optical element is a function of its curvature and of the difference in the refractive index between that element and the medium in in which it sits. The difference between the refractive indices of corneal stroma and aqueous humor is very small. So how important can the posterior curvature of the cornea be? Well, that's that's, uh, because the difference is very small in in the refractive indexes of the posterior uh, cornea and the aqueous humor. That's why I, uh, from the... uh, since uh, two centuries ago or one century ago, uh, uh, everybody believed that the, the influence of the posterior cornea is probably uh, virtually none in, uh, uh, in, the, uh, in the astigmatism. But it, it has been described recently that maybe it's not the case. Maybe that uh, although the power of the posterior cornea is very low, uh, uh, it may uh, change both the uh, axis and the power of the, the astigmatism you measure in the anterior cornea. So now that we have the, uh, 
we are beginning to have, to have the technology uh, that uh, enables us to, uh, to measure the refractive power of the uh, posterior cornea, uh, maybe we, 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 we will find, as uh, there's some paper uh, uh, published recently, that the posterior cornea has some small but clinically relevant uh, 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 implications uh, in, determining, in determining the, uh, the astigmatism of the eye. For sure, uh, the power uh, of the posterior uh, of the uh, astigmatism uh, produced by the posterior cornea has to be much lower than the anterior cornea because the anterior cornea has the uh, uh, the uh, the, uh, the uh, power of the anterior cornea because of the difference in, in refractive indices of the air and the and the anterior cornea uh, complex is is much higher, but probably. We, we have uh, uh, not considering that the posterior cornea has any clinical uh, uh, relevance, and probably, maybe, maybe it, it, it has. Who knows? Miguel, to bring things down to sort of nuts and bolts clinical terms here, having made these findings, when a patient with manifest astigmatism in a cataract presents to you in your own practice, what do you do? Well, it's a good question. Well, the patient uh, may have a, uh, a, a normal cornea. I say, uh, I mean normal cornea, so you can treat with laser after cataract surgery. If the patient what, wants to get rid of astigmatism 100% uh, sure, uh, then uh, what I do is to implant a, a spherical IOL. Uh, using uh, my cataract incisions to uh, to reduce the corneal astigmatism, and then after that, I perform a laser surgical uh, uh, correction of the of 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 both sphere and cylinder if needed, post-op. In this way, you can you can be almost 100% sure that the eye is, is going to be rid of both sphere and cylinder. Um, if the eye has high astigmatism and a thin cornea or a suspicious topography, then intracoratoric IOLs are indicated in my mind. Although the patient has to know that the uh, uh, the um, the accuracy of the correction is very high, but it might well be that uh, he or she will end up with uh, about uh, 0.5 or 0.75 diameters of uh, of astigmatism. That's the uh, I think is the the the, the limit of the, uh, the the limit of the accuracy of the calculation uh, w with the currently avail available uh, formulas to calculate the um, the power of the intracranial lens. So if the cornea is normal, I prefer to to offer the patient a post-op uh, laser uh, fine-tuning. Uh, if the cornea is not perfect, is thin, or, or even is kind of suspicious, uh, then I prefer to implant uh, an intracranial uh, IOL. I would like to see uh, that the uh, manufacturers of toric intracranial lenses pay more attention in the calculation, in the, uh, in the accuracy of the calculation of the power in their intracoratoric uh, IOLs. Um, in, the, uh, in the FDA study to, uh, used for the approval of the Acrosoft toric IOLs, uh, they end up with the results that 
38% of the patients ended, ended up with uh, an astigmatism equal or superior to 0.75 diopters, which is clinically relevant. So I think that uh, Torrey-Fire wells are very, very, very useful lenses, but uh, the, uh, the way we have now to calculate their power is far from ideal. So we have to, to improve this, uh, this, this calculation. Miguel, thank you so much. No, thank you very much. Miguel Teas is professor of ophthalmology at the Universidad de Alcala de Henares in Madrid, Spain. His paper, Correlation Between Keratometric and Refractive Astigmatism in Pseudophagic Eyes, appears in the July 2010 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Ask questions of Dr. Teus or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jungmd at gmail.com. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.